Welcome to I'm Screaming, a podcast for anyone who's felt like shamelessly screaming at the top of their lungs over a moment in pop culture. Because sometimes pop culture can be scary and you gotta let it out. Let's scream about it together. Hi, Meg. Hi, G. Happy Sunday. We're back on a Sunday. We literally only like changed it for one week, but here we are. Um, It's raining. It is my idea of an ideal Sunday, genuinely. Yes. Like, I love staying inside <laughs> doing I know. nothing. <laughs> I know. It's actually kind of nice when it rains because you know me, I'm such a busybody. So, like, when I'm kind of, and I hate the rain, so, like, when I'm, like, kind of forced to, like, not do anything, it, like, makes me happy. Like, this morning, I truly sat in my bed and watched Sailor Moon for, like, hours. And honestly, once we're done recording, like, before I start, like, packing and like cleaning my house like I plan to like sit in my bed again and continue to watch Sailor Moon for like more hours and I'm actually extremely excited about it. It is because I mean as much as obviously this has been a quarantine summer and everything I feel like we've been taking every opportunity we can to be like safe and safely social totally so and and because we didn't do anything for so long like I'm exhausted after I do one thing I just can't I'm also getting old, I suppose, but like, (laughs) I can't keep up with the pace. I was like, you know, just exhausted this morning, but I'm, yes, indeed agreed that it is so nice to just take a day where nothing is going on and like, maybe I'll try and finish Avatar today. I feel like it's definitely... A cartoon day. Yeah. Or maybe I'll watch some Pose later. <gasps> My mom and I will finish the morning show this evening, I'm sure. It's it's going to be a good day. <laughs> I love that. And you know every time, we always say this, whenever we record, like it just sets my day in like a good way. Like I feel accomplished. All of that. Absolutely. I mean, it is. It's an accomplishment. I, when I say I haven't gotten anything done this year, you know, like everybody's talking about 2020 as a wash and everything. When I say it, everybody's like, you started a podcast. I'm like, that's true. You know, once a week, we really do accomplish something. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. We can say we did something because once a week we talk, yes. which we always talk, but this time we just record it. We record it for all of you to hear. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, without further ado, should we get into it? Yeah, let's get it. Let's get this bread. (laughs) I can start. Sure. I kind of feel like I like when you start. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I can go first. Um, So my number five is a combination of a few things under one umbrella. This is actually going to feel like I feel like it's going to be a trend for me today, um, which is I have a few things to say about Netflix. Okay. Um, So a follow up from last week. I finished Work It this morning. (laughs) I also finished it. And I have to say, I have to give credit where credit is due. Jordan Fisher, I get it. I get it. I get it now. He is sexy in this movie. Oh, like truly, he's probably the only reason I could continue to watch it. Like he is. I've always thought he was like so cute. But like the dancing, the like every I was I was truly taken back. I was like. There was a moment where he, like, is leaning up against a doorframe and is looking at Sabrina Carpenter. And he's like, well, I'm going to have to see you dance first. And I was literally like, oh, hello. Like, also, the, take my breath away. That, the scene that introduced me to Zara Larson's song, Wow, that oh I my, play on repeat. That's my next note about this movie. 
It is so good. The soundtrack. I mean, they really dug into Dua Lipa's future nostalgia. <laughs> cool. You know, I love that song. I mean, it was. But I mean, it was terrible movie, terrible. but like so enjoyable because of Jordan Fisher. Um, also because it was fun to kind of watch the dancing and realize like who is actually a trained dancer and mm-hmm. who is just an actor who can like kind of move. Liza Koshy. Liza Koshy. <laughs> but like Sabrina Carpenter, like my girl, like in the scenes where she wasn't like the center of attention, you like look at her in the group shots and I'm like, oh honey, like <laughs> you're trying your best. You're trying your very, very best. But um, Kian Linesdale, very talented. Wait, did you know that he was, um, I think I said this last week, but he used to be on like some Australian dance shows. Like he's actually a yes. trained dancer. I mean, and then like there was that part over the credits where like they all got their little dance moment and mm-hmm. his was like amazing. And also Jordan Fisher, like you can just tell he's just like talented as hell. So I'm turning a corner on Jordan Fisher. Not that I like didn't like him, but I was kind of just like, I don't really get the hype and to all the boys. Fine, he was cute, but he really has something going on in this movie. I was shooketh to my core. He's also so talented. Like, his singing, like, obviously he played Evan and Dear Evan Hansen. He also was in Hamilton. Um, He's been in, like, a lot of Broadway shows. Um, He's just so talented, and I'm, like, truly taken back. But also... um, yeah, Sabrina Carpenter. I actually kind of like her. I think I she's too. like also talented. Um, she's got she's got something going for her, you know. Like she's she comes up and I mean this is like a starring role for her, which like we yeah, love yeah. this go girl. Um, but she was in The Hate You Give, mm-hmm. and she was obviously like kind of a villain a little bit in that. Um, but she was very good, and I like you said we like a lot of her songs off of her album, like. I think she's actually a pretty talented musician. Sumi is a bop. Oh, yeah. I was just looking at my Spotify, like, top of, like, the past year, top of the past six months, and Sumi's in my top for, like, the past year, my top 100 songs or something. It's like... Yes. Give Sabrina Carpenter her flowers. Love that for Sabrina Carpenter that I'm giving her her streams. But something <laughs> else that made me laugh was the way the billing in this movie was. It was, like, Sabrina Carpenter, Liza Koshy, um... Kian Lionsdale, yeah, Michelle Buteau, who's right. like in all of these movies, and she's funny. Um, and then it's Drew Ray Tanner who plays the guy at the mattress store that Liza oh, Koshy yeah. has a crush on, and he's pretty hot. But I was like the whole time I was like, where do I know him from? Where do I know him from? He's on Riverdale. Yes, yes. But like, and I love that because it was literally like Drew Ray Tanner and then and Jordan Fisher, and yeah. I'm like, how did this man who had like five minutes of screen time get billed? And it's because he's on Riverdale. <laughs> yes, he is on Riverdale. And I, for some reason, I always feel like the people that are like and blah, I always feel like the and person is always important. I don't they know are. They, they are. And is an important billing to get. It's like how Gwyneth Paltrow gets and Gwyneth Paltrow in like all the Marvel movies she gets. Also, there was a discussion about that. I remember talking to somebody about that after Avengers Endgame came out because obviously it was like a huge, like everybody was billed at the top. And obviously it was like Robert Downey Jr. and blah, blah, blah. But at the end, it was and Chris Pratt, which like I don't like to speak his name ever, but it's mm-hmm. because his agent is like good at their job. Like getting him that and billing is like yeah. with an and usually annotates somebody like, you know, like a legacy actor or something. But in this case, Chris Pratt. But yeah, I was like, go Jordan Fisher and Jordan Fisher. <laughs> no, I, I, I am happy that it work. It entertained me. It was yeah. like you said, a terrible movie. But like, I was I was 
thoroughly entertained. Like 100% Alicia Keys put that out. Like that yeah. like, tr- truly it is screams Alicia Keys. She loved, she loved it. Okay. So another movie that I watched on Netflix on Friday um, for literally no reason other than I was just like laying here and I was like, I'm so bored. Like, let me watch something. And I turned on this movie called The Lost Husband. Okay. <laughs> the title already, I'm like, oh my. I have to say, Work It is better than this movie. <gasps> oh, wow. um, it stars Leslie Bibb, who is kind of like a recognizable face. Like, you know her. She's Sam Rockwell's girlfriend, like longtime oh. partner. Yeah. So she was in, like, she was in Iron Man and Iron Man 2. Um... I can't remember what else she's in, but she's like in things, you know, like she always pops up. She's blonde, but it stars her and Josh Duhamel. And basically she's this like widow who moves to a farm with her two kids. And Josh Duhamel is like the ranch hand, like farm manager. Right. (laughs) And she like, it's so silly and so stupid. (laughs) But what I wanted to point out about it is, is an hour and 55 minutes. Netflix needs to be stopped with these long ass films where nothing happens. I mean, you know me, like in these long ass films where nothing happens, your bitch be falling asleep. Like I really can't try to give my attention to those movies for that long. Also, I cannot believe that Josh Jumel is like, has work. I'm like shocked. I mean, genuinely Josh Jumel. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Okay. I would say that I actually kind of enjoyed it a little bit. Like, just because he's kind of hot and like yeah whatever but like there's this moment in it where there's this girl like reads her palm and then they do like a seance to talk to her dead husband and oh the girl is from the get down i don't know did you watch that oh no no but i know it only had like one season and i think um uh, Jaden Smith was in it and people were pissed off that it got canceled yeah it was good and there's uh, the girl um Harrison Guardiola but she literally just like comes in to like read her palm and she's like your life is about to change and it's just it's kind of a mess but like I guess if you're looking for something to watch on a day like today it's kind of (laughs) (laughs) like he like Josh it's literally the tropes because even in work it like the trope of like her mom not wanting her to dance and then showing up at the end and being like I love you I'm so proud of you I know (laughs) and like the trope in this is like that her daughter is getting bullied and Josh Jumel like teaches her how to fight and then she gets suspended from school and like they fight and they're like at odds and then they fall in love. But that was another thing. Like I just am like Netflix. Like I need Netflix to give me like the prestige movies that they put out the trailers for. Um, two movies that I'm so excited about. Um, I'm thinking of Ending Things, which is starring Jesse Buckley, Jesse Plemons, uh, Tony yes, Collette. Yes, 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 Tony yes, yes. Collette. Um, I read this book last summer in one day, literally sitting on my couch, sitting at the beach one day. It, it was like a total mind fuck, but I can tell this movie just looks so, so good. Yeah. And that's coming out in September. And then they just dropped a trailer for The Devil All the Time the other day, which has an insane insane all-star cast um it's based on a novel as well oh the one with yes 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 the cast is tom holland bill skarsgård riley keough 
Jason Clark, Sebastian Stan, H- Haley Bennett, Eliza Scanlon, Mia Wasikowska, and Robert Pattinson. Oh my gosh. So I really need Netflix to like give me these movies now. I need them for my soul. I can't keep watching bad movies. <laughs> Please give them to me. I know. Netflix, yeah, I feel like the streaming, the streaming services have been, I'm literally rewatching Sailor Moon because I feel like there's nothing to watch. Um, they've been struggling with these movies. I do also feel like it is comforting right now to rewatch something you know is good and you yeah. know that you like. So it's like I'm more inclined to just like turn on an episode of The Office or an episode of Gossip Girl that I like or even an episode of fucking Glee. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have been watching Moesha, which oh, yes, obsessed Brandy, like giving me acting. Yeah, I mean, I really need to finish Avatar. Yeah, you got to. But I was, like, really excited because there's the more Netflix news this week was that um, the live-action Avatar series that they were planning with Netflix, the creators of the animated Avatar stepped down from it. Yeah. Basically said, like, Netflix is going in a different direction with this and we can't in good conscience kind of, like, follow that. I, I actually saw this on TikTok of course. Um, and they were saying that the fa- or the, the creators like wanted to keep it very like PG and like wanted it to be very much like still geared towards for kids. But Netflix wants to take it in a more like adult direction. So like it's like more sensual and dark. It's kind of like what they did with Sabrina. Like they okay. want they want to take like the cartoon like Sabrina and they made it like the chilling adventures. Like this is like our avatar, but like make it like dark and sexy avatar yeah which, like, low-key i kind of am excited about i kind of would have fucked with that but i i was laughing some of the reactions were like you know netflix was trying to cast noah centineo as zuko like <laughs> oh yeah that was another thing they weren't casting like actual like people of color which like netflix like i need you to get your shit together please and thank you yeah and i mean i think the creators of the animated series since like the voices of the actors weren't all people of color either like may whitman voiced Katara yeah Yeah. but like maybe you know I think now in this day and age they probably like want to be on the right side of history with that and like do it right especially after the live action movie yep I don't think I can watch it I was telling you Giselle I was saying I think I need to watch it just for posterity just to like have seen it but then the other day I was on YouTube and I saw like some clips from it and I started watching it and I fully like couldn't even finish the clip so I don't know if I can get through it no, I mean, it's so bad. And, like, as someone who was such an Avatar stan when I was younger, like, going to see that and fo- them calling him Ong and Ong. Soka or, like, not Sokka. And then Jason, Jackson, Raph, whatever, that white man. Yeah, from Twilight. Sokka and, like, I mean, Dev Patel. But, like, Dev Patel, I think, like, disowns that movie. <laughs> he does. I saw a video of him where somebody asked him to sign the poster and he was like, that movie was pretty shit. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, no, I love him. But anyway, yeah, that's just my wrap up for Netflix. Like lots of, I feel like exciting things coming from Netflix, but also they still are just such like, it's frustrating because they're still just such a machine, like making this like boring shit and also then not giving the people what they want with this Avatar live action show. Um, So we're keeping an eye on you, Netflix. We have our eyes peeled for your next move. (laughs) Okay, so my number five is just a little ode to something extremely important to our childhood. And that was, because we are sisters, we stand together, we make up one big family, but we we don't don't look the same. Happy 17th (laughs) anniversary to the Cheetah Girls. 
I mean, talk about the most iconic Disney Channel original film maybe ever to be made. Like, Cheetah Girls 1, Cheetah Girls 2, Cheetah Girls 1 World. Cheetah Girls 1 World. Dance me if you can. (laughs) Dance me. Dance me if you can. Um, Or like, I'm the one. Not to just sing all of the discography because I truly know it, but um, (gasps) it was funny because Meg was like listening to the Cheetah Girls this I was specifically, I listened to the entire Cheetah Girls 2 soundtrack, and it wasn't even because I knew that it was the anniversary. It was because Giselle and Vera and I do a collaborative playlist every month, and we come up with different themes for every day. So, like, what was today? Today was our favorite Demi Lovato song. So the reason why I was listening to the Cheetah Girls 2 soundtrack is because that was our recommended under our playlist, The Party's Just Begun, was at the top. At the bottom of, you know how at the bottom of Spotify playlist yeah. it has, like, recommended songs to add? So, like, truly, the spirit of the Cheetah Girls lives on in our playlist. <laughs> totally. Totally. And, like, I mean, the Cheetah Girls truly, like, as I do think they mean a lot to everyone, like, the Cheetah Girls was my first concert. <gasps> like, I truly have a picture of, like, me in a, like, cheetah print bucket hat, like, in my fr- my best friend, like, from childhood, who's, like, is still, like, basically my sister now, Gabrielle. We went with our moms, and, like, all of us dressed in, like, cheetah print stuff. And, like, truly, it was, like, the three of them, when they went on tour, like, um, without Raven or whatever, but that was iconic. But truly, like, when I think back to, like, iconic movies that, like, made me feel seen as a kid, The Cheetah Girls is truly, like, they those were girls I wanted to be like. Like, I felt like that was one of Disney's, like, first moments, like, really pouring money and budget into, like, black women for their movies. Like, and also, like, Raven is a huge instrumental. She's, like, quite problematic yeah. now, but um, she's a huge instrumental part of, like, that for, like, a lot of girls like black girls especially like with that so raven like she was also in xenon she was like monique and kim possible like she truly like had disney in her hand um and whitney houston produced um the cheetah girls i always forget that yeah and like the cheetah girls just like i it's on the same level it to me culturally impactful as like high school musical for sure honestly sometimes more for me because i just really felt seen and like they were strong women. They were, like, living, like, the Cheetalicious Divas before them. And, like, I just, like, the music was truly incredible. Like, that music is still good today. Um, and, yeah, I just, like, the Cheetah Girls meant so much to me as a kid. And, like, there's, like, Cheetah Girls 2 is fully, like, in my top five favorite movies maybe of all time. The Cheetah Girls 2 is the best one. It is. Like, it's so good. <laughs> I mean, that's why I was listening. I mean, like, Party's Just Begun, Strut, Dance With Me, um, what's the one? Step up, it's time to work it. Gotta do it for real. And then Amiga's Cheetahs at the end with oh Belinda. God. Marisol! Like, <laughs> the iconic run from Galleria, like, after, like, with Angel. The, like, Belinda, who's, like, truly, like, a s- superstar. She in, like, is. She's, Latin like, American music scene. Like, a she's, pop like, star, really yeah. incredible. Like, they got her in the film. Like, I, it's just, it's just everything. Like, and whatever. I mean, truly a cultural moment to, like, in my top 10, like, cultural moments of all time, the Cheetah Girls, because they were so impactful to my life. Happy 17th anniversary. I love you all. Also, like, because of it, this scene has been circulating from the first movie of um, Sabrina Bryan, who plays um, Dorinda. She's like, 
I'm not black. I don't feel white. And like, blah, 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 blah. Remember that scene where like yes. she and um, Chanel are like crying because it's actually like she's a, she's in the foster home. Foster and, care like, system. Like, yeah. She's like lying to him about stuff. And it's like very stressful. And honestly, like very like emotional as a child. I was like, oh my God, Dorinda, please be okay. But stress. everyone's like saying like that this scene was so emotional and they're like wiping their tears, but there's like no tears. And everyone's like, this scene deserved real tears. <laughs> The scene deserved an Oscar-worthy performance. Come on. Yeah, but honestly, I don't know. you reminded me that Whitney Houston produced the Cheetah Girls. Like Whitney Houston gave us so much. She also produced like both Princess Diaries movies and the Brandy version of Cinderella. Yes, well, of course, and she's in that. I mean, doing <sighs> giving us everything as the godmother, very godmother. Yes. But like genuinely she just gave us so much along with her incredible music and talent and honestly it's truly like Whitney is Whitney like my one of my favorite producers that has ever existed because like the Princess Diaries truly are like you know how much heart and love I have for Princess Diaries also Annie Hathaway also Brandy um Cinderella like I think I've seen that movie more than any other movie when I was a kid like that was the only Cinderella that I acknowledge like that's to me the only one that exists um and of course the Cheetah Girls I mean, she just doesn't miss. No, she doesn't. Those are like the four movies that she produced. (laughs) The five, including the Cinderella. Cinderella, the two Princess Diaries, two Cheetah Girls movies. Whitney Houston as a producer is five for five, baby. Everything. Iconic. Like, Whitney, you were iconic for so many reasons. But, like, truly these movies, like, Queen, you did that. She is the moment. She was the moment. Like, thank you, Whitney. Um, but yes, that's my number five. We love the Cheetah Girls. Happy 17th anniversary. Um, Amigas Cheetahs. Yep. Okay, so my number four is something... I don't think we even talked about this. But um, this was something that happened earlier this week with Miss Rita Ora. No, we have not talked about this, so I don't know what you're going to say. Oh, my God. So, basically, Rita was trending... Uh, on Twitter because somebody basically tweeted oh no finding out Rita Ora isn't black at all and both of her parents are white Albanians is so trippy the girl's been black fishing oh girl you know I have many thoughts on this yeah and I mean listen the fact that this girl didn't know that Rita Ora wasn't black is like but that's why she started trending because people were like, wait, people didn't know Rita Ora isn't black. And then other people were like, wait, Rita Ora isn't black or isn't like a woman of color. Really? Like, yeah, she's Armenian. Yeah. So it, it was just a crazy thing that happened. Like, I don't even think she like said or did anything in that moment to like warrant herself trending. It literally just came from like, this was like one person tweeting and the tweet blowing up. But, I mean, obviously we've had conversations about this before, about white girls who appropriate. Yes. And it's also, it's just like the, the, not even subtle for being honest, but like the more subtle forms of like appropriation. It's like, I'm not even saying Rita Ora is like the most famous, but like think about Rita Ora and think about Tinashe who like make pretty similar music. Like Tinashe is like, not as big as Rita Ora, honestly, by like any way, shape or form. Um, in the beginning of Rita Ora's career, that was like what she like kind of went on. She like made music with like, you know, I, we also don't want to say this man's name on the podcast, but Chris Brown, like she definitely like went in that realm of people to produce and make music with. Um, she like definitely wore, 
um, a lot of clothes that like black women, if they were to wear them, would be considered ghetto or be considered hood or those kind of things. I actually was having this conversation with um, Sean, um, who's my friend who is also in tune to pop culture, about JoJo. Because like, you know, I absolutely like love Miss JoJo. Um, and I think her music is incredible. And I think she was snubbed in her career because of her record label, whatever. But I was watching her new music video and her new song and I loved the song. Um, but I was watching the music video and it was very much like JoJo and like clothes and doing dancing and like all this stuff that like was made popular and like would be like a black woman, like a Normani would be doing it. You know what I mean? And it was a bit like, it was like all her backup dancers were like people of color and it was like mostly black women and men. And I was like, Ooh, Jojo, I don't know. This is like feeling weird to me because like there Jojo, I do think is like an appreciator of black culture. Um, and it's kind of like the Bruno Mars conversation too. Like Bruno Mars is like an appreciator of black culture, but also at the same time they're profiting on it where like maybe some black people who are doing similar things are not getting the same amount of shine from it or the same amount of recognition. So with Rita, I mean, also Rita was in the news a while ago from, for like her girls, the, uh, girls, that song too, because, um, basically she used that song as like her, um, technical coming out as bi, but like hadn't really been that much of an advocate for the community also featured like Cardi B who has said some problematic things about, um, queer women. Um, and also featured like Charlie XCX who is like, has been an advocate for the queer community who else was on it. Do you remember? Um, there was a fourth. Remember. Yeah, I can't remember the fourth person, but, and that was a little bit problematic. Oh, was it, was it Phoebe Rexa? It was, oh my God, maybe, I think it was. No, um, I mean, they're friends, I know, but it might not have been Phoebe. I actually think it was Phoebe. Um, but that was hard, because, that was problematic because people were like, very much like, Rita, you it was are queer bait. It was Phoebe. Yeah. You're queer baiting, which I extreme, I have extreme problems with is like, when celebrities try to use different communities that, you know, to to sell views, to sell streams, to do whatever. It's like, um, if you're going to wholeheartedly and openly support them, that community, like we stand that and we love that, but like, let's not play games and like, let's not do those kinds of things. So like Rita's had, not only has she like basically kind of queer baited, which I can't stand. Um, she also is like appropriating black women in black culture. And I'm like, I like a lot of Rita's songs, but like that's kind of always been the barrier to entry for me to like actually supporting Rita because I'm like, it kind of seems like she's a machine of whatever like is popular at the time or whatever is like going to get people to listen to her or like whatever, you know? Yeah. I mean, and it's like, I was reading this article and the article pointed out that like, based on what they know, like she's never darkened her skin or denied her own heritage, but she has acknowledged in the past that people assume she's mixed. Mm-hmm. And of course, like you said, has, you know, worn black hairstyles, afros, braids, you know, and that raises her kind of, like you said, cultural, I don't know how to say it, currency or, you know, whereas exactly. like if it was a black woman, it probably it would, like you said, it would be looked at as ghetto or something like that. So, so, but I mean, it's, and she's not the only who does it. As we've talked about before, oh, I mean, no. Ariana Grande, totally. Miley, we're going to talk about Miley later, but Miley had a really long phase where that's all she was doing, basically. We are watching one of her music videos, like, last week or something, and yeah. she had the grills and, and all this stuff. And even, like, Katy Perry has done totally. it. So it's, like, someone like Rita Ora, who maybe is inclined to, like, look more tan or something like that, people just, just make assumptions. 
Exactly. And and if she's not like shooting that down, then she's leaning into it on purpose. Exactly. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, Rita, the most irrelevant celebrity continues. Literally like, caused the, the these controversies. And like, I, like I said, I don't think she even did anything specific to create this tweet, like this tweet storm that happened. But, but yeah, I mean, there's like, it's a, it's a conversation that should be having, people should be having about even bigger stars as well. So hopefully that like, you know, creates a conversation about you know, how we should be calling these women out. So, yeah, I mean, I just, I, like, didn't know, actually didn't know if you had heard about that. Um, I know, obviously, this is a conversation we have a lot of to- a lot of times about a lot of other people, but I don't think we've ever talked about Rita Ora in this, in this context before. <laughs> no, we have not talked about Rita in this context before. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I definitely have had many um, hangouts with Miss Aura over over the years about different things just and honestly it really is just her lack of authenticity for me that like really just gets me with like I said you know her previous songs not only just girls and that kind of respect that realm but also just with like all of her other songs all of her hairstyles everything it just seems like it's a bit performative all the time like for views and for clicks and to make money and I'm like let's not use other people's culture or identity to make money Rita yeah I mean it's like she's struggled I think to uh, I think she's absolutely struggled (laughs) to make it big you know yeah so but it does seem very much like a kind of desperation thing so like oh let me appropriate this culture maybe people will be more interested in me yeah I it's the it's cultural appropriation for me. For me. <laughs> <laughs> Rita. Yeah, it's going to be a no for me, Rita. I, I mean, your songs bang sometimes, but that is that is what we're not going to do. You know? Wild. Okay. Okay. So my number four is... I love the jinx, by the way. Um, my number four is another female celebrity... But this is one that I think we generally all have a love for. And that's Miss Jordan Sparks. <laughs> and, I, and I know you're feeling like you haven't heard that name in a long time, people. But Miss Sparks has come out, honeys, with a new song called Red Sangria. Meg, I'm going to need you to input a little bit of that song into okay. this moment right now. You can talk all you want, but I'm still on your playlist. You can be with no air, yeah, you've been suffocating. I'm real, signing you up. Yes, I'm done with you. You're picking me up like I'm red sangria. You're picking me up like I'm red sangria. I'm real, signing you up. Yes, I'm done with you. You're picking me up like I'm red sangria. You're picking me up like I'm red sangria. Okay. Okay, now that you heard a little bit of that red sangria moment, I just, I just wanna, I just wanna talk, Miss Sparks. I'm gonna, boop 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 boop. Hi, Jordan. Um, Jordan, I love you. I mean, you've given us bop after bop. You gave us one step at a time. There's no need to rush. You gave us no air, which like is a great song. We have to ignore the fact that Chris Brown's in that song, but like, no air is incredible. Was it? Battlefield. Battlefield. Like, she gave us hits after hits. And then she went away for a while. As we all know, she, like, 
dated Jason Derulo. They got engaged and then they broke up and then he gave her a car and he took it back because the car was leased, which is, we don't talk about that enough. Flashback to our first episode. I think we talked about that on our first episode. Um... I can't get over it. And then she like now has a son. She's like married to this very cute man. Oh my God. Hot. But hot man. But, but this song, Jordan, I, I just want the best for you. And I'm trying to understand what gave you the inkling that this would be the song to put out. I mean, Red Sangria, the dancing, the, like we love the Amber Riley is like getting some work. Um, we love that the Francia woman who gave Selena Gomez the kidney is also getting some work. I know she's in Grownish, but like I like her, so like I'm glad that she's like. <laughs> Me too. With I like Sparks. her too. But like the outfit, also like Jordan is truly one of the most stunning women ever. I just like that yellow jumpsuit girl. I just couldn't get with it, and like the the dancing and the the lyrics and I yeah. I just why? I mean, why are we comparing ourselves to Red Sangria? Drinking me up. Was that what it says? Like I'm red sangria. Like I'm red sangria. You're drinking me up. It, yeah, it's a done deal. You're drinking me up. <laughs> Literally, that those lyrics to us. I'm just trying to understand what it means. Like, Jordan, I would love, I would give everything for you to have an epic comeback, girl. Like, give us the hits. You could be um, Kelly Clarkson level. Like, you're such a nice, kind girl. She like, has give us, so give, much give talent. Give a talk show. Like, yeah. But we just need the hits. Kelly keeps putting out the hits. Jordan, I need hits, girly. I know. Giselle, Giselle uh, G chatted me the other day, and she said, oh, no. She's like, well, not even, oh, no. You were just kind of like, have you heard Jordan Sparks' new song? And I was kind of like, oh, no. <laughs> and Giselle's like, oh, Meg. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and then you sent me a clip. And truly, the clip from the video fully gives me, like, Tampax commercial vibes. Like, like yeah, all those ones where <laughs> they like are like you can dance and be free even while you're on your period like <laughs> also red sangria like gave me the <laughs> literally people were overlaying her song like her song with old old navy commercials <laughs> it was, i'm like no jordan like, oh honey that's not where our career is going no honey <laughs> but yeah i need everyone to listen to the full red sangria song please give us your thoughts i just i like i said i want good things for jordan sparks and i just like really need her to rethink this direction yeah. girl come on use some of that american idol clout let's go we but because we know you have the hits also jordan sparks is extremely talented she's been on broadway like all right she's in waitress right yeah she's been on waitress twice. been in waitress twice I think she was actually the first, I, I could be wrong, like, if I'm wrong, but she was maybe the first black woman to play um, Jana. Opening up. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's my thing about Jordan. Red Sangria, it's, it's really a, a one out of five for me. Um, I give her maybe a two out of five because I love Jordan Sparks, but yeah. yeah. Oh, no, Jordan. Come on, girl. Get it together. We need, we need more. more. Okay. My number three, when I when I sectioned off my five, I was like, this kind of includes my number one as well. But I think because that's a whole separate story, I'm just going to group these three things together that I've been thinking about. And that Incredible. it's under the umbrella of celebrity pregnancies. Once, Once again. again. Celebrity couples last week. Celebrity pregnancies this week. 
Um, number one, Miss Catherine Perry has <laughs> been pregnant for two years. <laughs> like, I a lot of people have said to me that they thought that Sophie Turner was pregnant for a really short time, but I for some reason I just felt like it was longer. But she gave birth like a month ago, and then <laughs> we have second mention of. A man I hate on this podcast today, Chris Pratt and Katherine Schwarzenegger having their baby <laughs> after she was pregnant for like five minutes. So I am fully so confused. Katy Perry, are you having twins? What is happening? Are you? What's going on? Also, Orlando Bloom's dog just died. You need to give birth so he has a reason to be happy. <laughs> really cackling because Katie, Miss Catherine, Catherine Perry, I mean, she's really girl. She's milking this pregnancy. Every music video she's put out for this album that is apparently going to come out, she's been pregnant in it. Like, girly is really just been pregnant for so long. Also, her album comes out August 28th. I am like, I would bet dollars to donuts that she is going to give birth on the day her album comes out. And she's not going to be able to do any promo. She's going to be, like, on GMA promoting the album. She's going to be like, oops, have to go have a baby. Like, No, totally. I mean, we, you know, once again, talking about journeys, I have been on a journey with Miss Perry over the time of her career because, like, Teenage Dream, you know, is, like, an album for me. Like, it's in, one, it's in my top ten favorite albums. Like, I was a freshman when that came out. Like, I just have such memories with Teenage Dream. And then like, I feel like every subsequent album has just not matched up to that album, which like whatever that happens in people's careers. But like, Katy Perry's always been corny, but like in a different way than she's corny now, because like, it, it it's just the way she's like using the pregnancy to like literally be the narrative of the album. And like, she like she's the promo of the album is like her announcing her pregnancy. Like, honestly, like whatever. Catherine Perry can do whatever the fuck she wants. Like, I actually like don't give that much of a care about her. Like, I hope she has a very happy and safe and healthy pregnancy. Like, yes, Queen, we love that for you. But I'm like this 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 era of, of Catherine. It's just a bit it's just a bit cheesy. Carly's in Hawaii. Isn't that the name of the song? Was that is that going to be in this album? No, I don't know. It can, I think I don't think so. I think it came out like a, maybe. I don't know. I haven't looked at the track list. The last the last Catherine Perry songs that I liked was um, I liked the the has it over doesn't mean it's really over. Yeah, never really over. And I liked um I actually realized recently that I liked the Daisy song too. Yes, but the other ones the but the thing with Catherine it's like either the song is a fucking banger like from the um. Bon Appetit Bebe album. Change to the Rhythm is a fucking incredible song. Like, you know I love that song. But it's like, it's like peak pop or it's like trash. Like, that's, like, that's Katie's new, like, spectrum. It's like, it's incredible or it's just bad. Or it's like really boring, which is the case of Never Worn White, which she put out, like, but that, that, doesn't that feel like that came out so long ago? She was pregnant when that came out. She was still, she was pregnant when that came out. So that's, (laughs) she's been pregnant. She's put out like three singles. Yeah, because because the pregnancy, she needs people to care. So the pregnancy is her album narrative. I can't deal with it. I mean, I just can't. I mean, I wonder what they're going to name the kid. It's a girl. What did Joe and Sophie name their kid? Willa. Willa. And Chris Pratt and Miss Catherine, other Miss Catherine, um, named their baby Lila. 
I hate Chris Pratt. I hate him so much. I, I mean, so fast forward to I think preview of what we're gonna something we're gonna talk about later. But um, I was talking with some people yesterday, and they were saying like, "Oh, like who's gonna take Kamala's Senate seat in California?" And everyone like somebody suggested Chris Pratt because <laughs> he's like the, absolutely trying to be a politician. Like yeah, he's trying to be Arnold. One hundred percent wrong side. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, thank well, you. That's not the narrative we want. No, absolutely not. Um, but I was just kind of fascinated. There are two other little stories um, this week about celebrity pregnancies and how, like, certain people just completely keep it to themselves and they have the kid and you don't even know they had the kid until they have the kid. You know what I mean? Right. right. But with Katy Perry and now with, you know, some other people like Bindi Irwin. Oh, <laughs> Bindi. <laughs> <laughs> just announced she's pregnant. She got married in March, right at the beginning of the pandemic, to her husband yeah. Chandler. They did a photo shoot at the zoo with a little oh. with a little khaki um little outfit for the baby. Homegirl is like twenty one. I'm like, girl, come on. I mean, live your been with life. That guy for a long time. Yeah, oh totally. And I mean I don't know, they seem kinda like they'd be like somewhat religious, so maybe that's yeah, I just want, I like, I actually like don't in my real life, I mean, care about Bindi or whatever. Me neither. I do care in, the, in for terms of like, I, I would like her to be okay and her family to be okay. Me too. The, her, the situation was so sad and like, Bindi Irwin, like, please be okay. They seem like pretty nice people. And like yeah, when her brother. save animals. And I don't really like Jimmy Fallon anymore. Like his show bothers me. But when her brother goes on Jimmy Fallon and he also goes on James Corden, I think, and like shows them the animals and like brings out the snakes and they're like freaking out. It's actually quite charming. Like the brother, I think Robert or whatever, obviously has the dad's like charisma and everything. And it's like kind of funny. But. Oh, I love that. Yeah, but that was another one. But then. All of a sudden, news dropped this week as well that Ed Sheeran's wife is, like, about to give birth. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's obviously a super private person, and I guess they're just, like, chilling. But, like, it's crazy, and this is another example of, like, celebrities, like, if they if they really want to, they can keep their life private for the most part. Totally. Um, I think there are certain people who kind of get in too deep in the public eye and then like can't kind of backtrack. But I think since Ed Sheeran's kind of held everyone at arm's length, like his whole career, he's able to do that. But it, it, even Sophie and Joe did that. Yeah. I mean, and like she posted, I mean, I truly just love them so much. Like Same. I genuinely love them because it was Joe's birthday yesterday and she posted uh, I, I, and it was the first time she like acknowledged that they, <laughs> I mean, obviously everybody knew immediately somehow. Um, but like called him her baby daddy. And I was like, oh, I love that. I love them. It's just funny too, because whenever Priyanka and Nick have a kid, like that is going to be. Oh, she'll the, be doing like, fanfare. She'll be doing the full blown, like Beyonce photo shoot when she like when Beyonce was pregnant with the twins. But then it like, yes. but truly with, even with Beyonce, like she did, the, she did that. And then she went away yes. for like the whole pregnancy. She's like, okay, here's the news. Okay. Bye. <laughs> literally never... like Nicki Minaj is also pregnant like literally everyone's pregnant I know it's crazy but some also people person that we'll talk about yes but some later. some people are pregnant longer than others and that's <laughs> Katy Perry give birth girl <laughs> oh my god wait that really made me giggle today Meg <laughs> I'm so glad I could give you a chuckle honestly it, it's a perfect segue into my 
uh, number three, which I know is also on your list, which is literally in this vein. Yeah. Which is that Chrissy Teigen is pregnant. Yes, she um, is. We all know how, maybe we all don't know, but I find Chrissy Teigen to be extremely annoying. I um, go so back and forth on her. Yeah, totally. Totally go back and forth. Like, I, like, really like John Legend, but also sometimes, like, he can, like, in proximity to Chrissy Teigen annoy me. Their kids are so fucking cute, though. I mean, they're, they're like, friends with the Kardashians, so I always yeah. just, like, like, yesterday was Jennifer Lawrence's birthday, too, and, like, Kris Jenner posted this whole, like, slideshow for her, like, saying she was her favorite daughter, and I was just kind of like, Jen, like, what are you doing no. being friends with Kris Jenner? Like, come on. This is totally ruining your relatable vibe. Exactly. <laughs> but she's not, because she's literally married to a millionaire art dealer now, so she can never pretend she's relatable again. Yeah, literally not at all. But yeah, I mean, like, then it's it's just like, okay, Chrissy Teigen and John Legend are having a baby, a third baby, like, whatever. But then, like, of course, Chrissy Teigen, like, goes on, like, Twitter rants and just, like, makes everything, like, tries to make it not a big deal, but in trying to not make it a big deal, like, it becomes a big deal. And I'm just, like, gut check from the audience. Like, how are we feeling about Chrissy Teigen? Like, I think I'm loving Meg. Meg has really been doing the work on Instagram, everyone. Like, she's been giving you guys these polls. It's really all Meg. I just need everyone to know. Um, so, like, Meg, maybe we could throw up another poll. We'll do a cheeky poll. our feelings on Chrissy Teigen, because I agree, Meg. I think some people, it's like, you love her, or you just, like, don't like her. She's a very visceral person. Yeah, and I mean, her whole involvement with everything that went down with Allison Roman, like, the way she, like, went private on Twitter because people were coming for her and, like, acted like she was really wounded by Allison Roman calling her out. I'm like, girl, you have not... And, I, and obviously, we've talked about Allison Roman. She was wrong in a lot of ways. The situation was messy. But the way Chrissy Teigen reacted to it was just so, so silly to me for someone who has yeah. millions of dollars and and doesn't have to worry about that kind of thing. And I mean, I mean, did you hear the whole story about like why there was backlash to this pregnancy announcement? No. So. So I follow this account on Instagram, which is wonderful. I highly recommend it's I believe it's pronounced like Dumois. It's D-E-U-X-M-O-I. I've showed it to you before. It's like people send in like blind items about celebrities or like encounters they've had. And a lot of people, it's like all bad. Like, oh, yeah, they're awful. But then you see someone post something negative about one celebrity. And then the next day someone's like, I have to defend this person. They were so nice to me this one time and whatever you hear. So it's like it's very much like you get to see both sides. We've talked about this before. Celebs have bad days. And they put bad taste in people's mouths, but then they could be, like, a really nice person. So you just never know. But when Chrissy Teigen announced this pregnancy, which was in John Legend's music video, like, towards the very end, um, people were immediately like, wait, what the hell? She just got plastic surgery in June. So she had gotten, like, I I think she got her boobs done. I don't know if she, like, got implants removed or put in, I don't know. I didn't really care that much, but people were literally like saying, Oh, like, you know, she got, cause she had gotten a COVID test because she got the plastic surgery. And apparently the thing is you have to take a pregnancy test before you have that kind of plastic surgery just in case. And because she's had, because she's had fertility issues, um, this is, I think, a surprise pregnancy. Like, the way that she told the story, which I'll, I'll read in a minute, um, is that she, like, because she had issues, she's never actually gotten, like, a positive pregnancy test because she's been doing IVF. So she said that she takes pregnancy tests every month and, like, 
they always are negative, but this was kind of a surprise. But there were a lot of people going back and forth on this account of like, there's no way she didn't know. They it, maybe she got a false negative, but like yeah. it was it was like very dangerous of her to like have this surgery. Some people have conspiracy theories she actually had it back in March, but posted about it in June or whatever. But basically, somebody tweeted and was like, "Question: Chrissy Teigen just announced she's pregnant. Before my breast reduction last year." They did a pregnancy test. Was she pregnant when she had her surgery in June? I feel like with her bump, she had to be pregnant before that, but I could be wrong. I'm confused. So she responds. Of course. Oh, it's quite a story, LOL. I did the routine pregnancy test you do before surgery. It said negative. It was not negative. A few weeks after surgery, I took a test. And for many years now, I've taken pregnancy tests almost every month, praying to see a positive one day. Just wishful thinking. I've never had a positive before. So the morning of John's album release, he wakes up at 3 a.m. to do Good Morning America. I woke up with him and was like, man, should take my monthly test to be disappointed. I was not disappointed. But I was scared shitless. Was pretty positive you shouldn't get your boobs out while pregnant. Pretty sure. So we prayed to the boob surgery gods that everything would be okay. Okay. Went to every appointment terrified. Even without the surgery, I think I could get pregnant. Didn't think I could get pregnant naturally anyway, so the odds just felt bad. But what they say so often can be true. When you give up trying, life has a way of surprising you. In summary, my boobs hurt. Also, you guys have seen how rough these past few months were for me here. So now you know why I just extra appreciated all the love and support through it all, especially since you don't even you didn't even know. You thought I was just in stressful internet hell. And then she, like, started another thread talking about how, like, I hope this gives people hope that, like, who are going through IVF and all this stuff. So, like, she's a class. She's a very talented spinner, you know, to spin the story into this, which is great that because she did have IVF with Luna and Miles. So it's, like, great for her that she was able to get pregnant naturally. Like, that's and that does happen a lot when you stop, you know. Yeah. But I don't know. She's just shady. She's shady and there's a lot about her on the internet and there's a lot of opinions. Like I find her easier to deal with on Instagram than Twitter. Yeah. I unfollowed her on totally. Twitter. Um, but even at that, like there was something a couple weeks ago, like obviously there was that whole thing with Goya, the Goya beans oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. how everyone was like, we're going to boycott Goya because the CEO went to the white house. And Chrissy Teigen was one of those people who said, oh, never use Goya again. And then, like, last week, she was doing an Instagram story of her kitchen, and there were, like, three cans of Goya beans on her kitchen counter. <laughs> so she just – she's a, we have to just remember, she's a celebrity. She she acts very down-to-earth a lot of the times time and can be, relate, quote-unquote, relatable, the same way we were talking about Jennifer Lawrence. But yeah. – yeah. But this, but celebrities are so good at portraying that relatability, but we just have to remember that they're not. And they're kind totally. of, yeah. And like, it's a constant conversation we have on the podcast, off of the podcast about celebrities and like what they choose to put in the world and like how we react to that on a regular basis. And I think like with Chrissy Teigen, like you're totally right, Meg. Like a lot of times I get a bit annoyed with these celebrities who try to like build their brand around like being relatable because like they're not relatable. Um, and that's fine. Like, I think there's plenty of celebrities who, like, I, like, I like to bring up Zendaya because, like, I think Zendaya, like, knows she's, like, candidly not really relatable, but because she, like, knows that and just, like, exists and, like, isn't actually trying to, like, be crazy, like, she is kind of really relatable. It's, like, Rihanna is not actually relatable because, like, it's Rihanna, but, like, I find myself feeling more relatability to Rihanna than, like, anyone because Rihanna's just, like, I'm a bad bitch. I'm going to exist as a bad bitch and, like, I'm going to, like, do whatever the fuck I want. And I'm like, yes, bitch, like, that's relatable to me. Um, so, like, with Chrissy, I do think it's a little bit of, like, a 
a show her like relatability and like it is it's like she's so vocal on social media like especially on twitter it's like a lot of times she's vocal about things that like i like agree with like yes we hate trump like we yeah. agree, agree because he's taking her alive yep we're um, on the same page <laughs> we're like fully aligned there um and like she she does have she aligns with a lot of beliefs that like i believe but like she just talks so much like she doesn't have a filter so like there's like she says things and I'm like, oh, you should not have said that. Or like, you know, she just like can't she because she's built her brand on not having a filter. It's so hard for me to like take anything she says like seriously, you know? Yeah. And I th- there was an article that came out, I think, in like April or May that was super interesting. And it was the title of it was The Death of the Relatable Celebrity. Mm. That like especially in times like this, heightened by this like political and social unrest and this fucking pandemic and high unemployment rates and you know middle class and lower class are suffering it's like celebrities really can't do that relatable shtick anymore because it's just so obvious the discrepancy between our like our lives and their lives and even people who you know are struggling even more like who've lost their jobs or their apartments it's like they're not like celebrities are, are kind of losing that that vibe that like we look at them and we look at their lives and we read tabloids about them as kind of an escape and we're mm. like oh look at them like wouldn't it be nice to like have a, a big mansion and like be in movies or like have you know but like it's more just I, I i do think the celebrities that try to be relatable are the least relatable ones agreed you know I got a something that I saw the other day. Shout out my queen, Amy Adams, who I feel like I have not given enough love to on this podcast because I know she was asked about um, this was a couple of years ago, but she was asked about pay gap in Hollywood. And she was like, obviously, that's something I feel very strongly about, but I'd rather see like that pay gap reduced for like teachers and, you know, other jobs that are like like contribute more to our society first before I'm like mm-hmm. worried too much about myself and I was kind of like yeah girl get it literally I was like we love to see <clears throat> that that rationale that like and that's like someone that I would much rather hang out with than Chrissy Teigen I think you know what I mean totally but I, I 100% agree with you. we could go we could talk about this forever but I do think it is just this re- relatableness is just toxic it is. It's toxic. And, like, of course, like, we wish all the best to Chrissy Teigen in this pregnancy. Yes. Her kids are um, cute as hell. I'm going to keep looking at photos of them. But, like. Yeah, they're so cute. But, like, yeah, I agree. I think it's, like, not even the pregnancy is the thing about Chrissy Teigen. Like, that whole situation for me, it's just, like, her brand ethos in general is just a little bit, like, ugh, I'm tired of it. <laughs> you know? No, definitely. Definitely. Okay. So yeah, that was, I had that at number one, but I feel like my number one and my number two are kind of swappable. Um, but my number two is, I think your number two also. Yes. yes. Miss Miley Cyrus is back, ladies and gentlemen, back making headlines. Always. I mean, Miley, I, once again, we have another just polarizing human being. Um, we, I feel like we talk in our personal lives, like talk about Miley a lot because like I have been on such the journey with Miley Cyrus, like from Hannah Montana to obviously like everyone loved Hannah Montana. It's like loving Hannah Montana. And then like her, like 
going away, being with Liam, and then like her extremely problematic phase of like We Can't Stop, which is like a great song, but like her truly appropriating like black culture, grills, twerking, bad. Um, and then to Miley Cyrus and the Dead Pets, which like oh my God. I didn't even listen to, but like yikes. She said like four like, dogs do. die. What? She said like four dogs die, like by being killed by like coyotes and stuff. I feel like. Oh my God. It's so, so stressful. Like, Malibu or like, what's it called? Younger now. Yep. Um, to then this new air. And then she is coming, which was like, I loved that. Era, yeah. Actually. Also that collab with Mark Ronson, nothing breaks like a heart was a vibe. Like I, I, I mean, I think she's been, like, on this journey to find her sound again because, like you were saying, like you said, she was fully, like, appropriating, like, trying to be somebody she wasn't. Yeah, and so, like, that's kind of why I've never actually been able to fully, like, stand Miss Cyrus because, like, we're talking about her because she had a new song that came out called Midnight Sun. Midnight um, Sky. Midnight Sky. Midnight Sun is the um, the new Twilight book from, from <laughs> Edward's perspective. <laughs> Fully was like having a moment where I was like, Miley knew should drop this now because midnight is already a phrase that like midnight sun, midnight sky, very interchangeable. So exactly. Yeah. Midnight sky. Literally. Um, she dropped midnight sky, which actually I think is a good song. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I think it's a great song actually. Agreed. Um, but like that's off of the heels of she's bro- She's broken up with Cody, Cody Simpson. They're not together anymore. But, like, the way she announced this, she goes on, call your daddy, call me daddy, whatever that podcast is, that we talked about fully, like, the first one or two episodes we had this podcast. To which I know that everyone, like, a lot of people love calling me daddy, call your daddy, the daddy gang, whatever. Like, like we said previously, we don't listen, but, like, we are all for female liberation and talking about, like, sexual encounters and owning our sexuality. Like, we stand wholeheartedly that. And, like, Miley went on and talked a lot about Liam and... Um, her sexuality and like whatever, all these things. So like this is, and like she talked, maybe she talked about like being sober now, whatever. Yeah. So like this Miley, this version of Miley, we're like owning who we are. We're owning our sexuality. We're like owning our music. We're like living and like being honest and open. Like I actually like really love this Miley. We're not appropriating cultures. We're just like making music with our mullets. Like I don't love the mullet. I hate the mullet. It's not appropriating my culture or anyone's culture. So like, it's her culture. She grew up in like Tennessee. Yeah, it's fine. Do your mullet. I don't really care. Um, But whatever. Like, I like this song and like I like this era. But then I have to like reflect and like my like if I can stand her or not because like she really did have an extremely problematic era. Yeah. Like even though the music was great and everyone was, was like listening to it, but like we can't talk about Miley without talking about her blatant like use of black culture for like the advancement of her own career. Um, so like, I don't know. I, I, I go back and forth with Miss Cyrus because on this podcast, we allow room for growth and like we normalize like changing your opinions when new information is learned. But like, um, yeah, I, don't, I feel like I can't, I can't like fully stand her, even though I like her like in this exact moment. Um, I just feel like she's, she's just a tricky, tricky, tricky one for me. Yeah. I mean, there was an amazing headline from Vulture that just said condolences to Miley Cyrus's publicist who has a lot of fires to put out today. Um, she's tough. And I, 
you know, like you said, like Hannah Montana, we, we stand like the can't be tamed era was amazing. You know, yeah. like she's just been such a staple in our lives. I think, because I think we grew up like with her basically. Um, so it's hard to ignore her when she does come out with something new. Um, it's been like almost exactly a year since she and Liam split. I was literally at your house when I found out and I was so sad. Remember? Really? Yeah. We were having uh, your tiki kiki. Oh my gosh. That day. I was so, so upset because I was really happy when they got back together because I liked them together. Obviously now I think that they are better off apart. Um, she talked on Sirius, Sirius XM about the song saying that like it was about, obviously it's about Liam and it's about their relationship and it, you know, talks about how like living forever, like for like her whole life basically. Cause on call her daddy, she said that she lost her virginity to Liam when she was 16 and mm-hmm. she told him that she oh, yeah. had already lost her virginity. And she said she held on to that secret for like 10 years. So this girl has a lot of toxicity, like, you know, mental mm-hmm. health, like not maybe not mental health, but like mentally, like that's that's taxing. Um, and she basically said that with this song, she wanted to like reclaim her own narrative, mm-hmm. which like we love that. Yes, reclaim your own narrative. I do feel like, and I agree with you 100%. I feel like she hasn't really owned the appropriation enough. You yeah. know, like I, I like, and we, like you said, we allow for growth, but I do think it's like she should acknowledge it a little bit more. Yeah, yeah like, I do think that, on. like, in recent, over the last year especially, like, I think Miley Cyrus has actually done, like, a lot of important work. I think she does a lot of important work for the LGBTQ plus community. I also really appreciated her, like, talk show that she was doing during uh, her, like, Instagram live show she was yes. doing during the beginning of quarantine. She had, like, a lot of important people on and, like, was having, like, good conversations. Like, yes, some of them were, like, you know, like other random celebrities, but a lot of those conversations she was like having on, it had to do with like mental health. And like, um, she definitely was like doing a lot in terms of like trying to support and like bring awareness to like the black lives matter movement. And I do think that like in this exact moment of her life, like I do think that Miley Cyrus like is advocating and trying to fight for the correct things in a, in a productive way. And I also, like I said, like, I love, I love, 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 love when celebrities just like own their narratives, own who they are, like are so open and honest with the struggles they possibly had in, in an effort to help people to be able to accept and fully love and understand themselves. Like I love that. And I stand that wholeheartedly. Um, but yeah, so I think it's just like, for me, I'm just, I'm not sure how I go forth with Miley because like, I, yeah, like I think now she is, but like, until she maybe kind of comes out, which like I think is not far off from a horizon. Like I do think there's a moment Miley Cyrus could truly have a reckoning and be like, and I think she maybe has said the inklings of this, but like really like owning that, like the we can't stop era was extremely, extremely appropriative. And I think she's maybe said some things like that, but like whatever, like I like this new song. I appreciate what she's doing. I hope that she continues on in like this non-problematic route. (laughs) No, I mean, she's, she's just a, she like I like you said we we love that she like owns who she is now and is like owning obviously like her sexual experiences too and everything yeah but like she is just like very polarizing even even like besides the appropriation because like I don't think there is a person like her like a celebrity a singer like her in the sense that would like go on call her daddy like that and just like be so open about her shit totally and, and like, like I I fully love like 
when celebrities, I said this, like when celebrities like go on and just like say what they feel and say their past and like in a productive way. Like I really do think so many people look up to Miley Cyrus and like her being so open about her like her past relationship with Liam, but also her current like sexuality, how she's like kind of come to this and like allowing people to understand that like these things are okay. Like let's celebrate who you are. Let's like acknowledge it and like be proud of it. And like, I hope that that does help a lot of people. And like, I do appreciate kind of what she's doing. And I do think like we were talking about previously in this episode, like the relatability, like Miley's doing it in a way that I like don't think right now is like annoying me, (laughs) you know? Yeah. No, I mean this quote from her, um, from her Sirius XM interview was interesting. She said she felt villainized after her divorce. She said, I also felt like I kind of shut down because it was below me to engage with the press and the media at the time. It felt like I would rather be able to articulate this experience in a poetic way that also I can put back into my art. So, so it's interesting. I mean, the Cody Simpson thing was, was interesting. I never really thought that that would last. I also didn't realize he's only 23. Oh, wow. Like, I thought he was older than that. It's crazy that he dated Gigi Hadid, too. Like, so long. Like, that feels like another lifetime. But, like, obviously, I mean, if she and Cody have been split up for, like, maybe a month or whatever, like, they obviously timed this this news very timingly, you know, like, very timely. Um, and obviously, Liam Hemsworth's publicist got on the phone to him and said, we got to get a story out there because there's a, he- a couple of headlines that say, like, Liam Hemsworth has a very low opinion of Miley Cyrus one year after split. So, I mean, I think he was kind of like wrecked by that. There were like yeah. all those stories about how he was like back in Australia with his brothers and like his family and just like probably like really depressed because it's very obvious. Like she just kind of decided is done. They were done. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely like, obviously I don't know anything about their actual relationship, but I definitely feel like we talked about this. I think before it was like, he, I, I, I kind of feel like she, and she kind of talks about this, like a lot was boiling under the surface for her, but I think Liam was so comfortable for her that like after the fires and their like house had burned down, she was kind of just like, okay, let's get married. But I don't think she was necessarily happy with herself and comfortable with her own feelings about everything going on. And then like it happened for a year. And I feel like you, like you said, Meg, it was very much like she was like one day she woke up and was like, obviously I don't know, but to me it seems like one day she woke up and was like, this is not what I want. And he maybe possibly could be a little bit blindsided, which like, I mean, I, I, I don't fully support like the, the like let's shit on Miley Cyrus narrative of Liam just equally as I don't support the let's shit on Liam narrative from Miley. Like you guys yeah. look up, like, like that's fine. Done. It's your own business, but, but whatever. I mean, I hope they get to, get to a point where they can like look back fondly on their relationship because like they were together for 10 formative years of their lives. Like Miley yeah. talks about it in these interviews. She's like, I broke up with someone last year that, I was with for 10 years and obviously they were broken up for like three years in the middle, which is that phase that Miley went through where she was, where was the bangers phase and the dead pets phase. And she was on a lot of drugs and kind of, you know, people felt, I think when they got back together that she had like sowed her wild oats and was like ready to settle down with him. And I think a mistake is that they were engaged before they broke up and then they just like immediately became engaged again and rather than just and that like that just like puts pressure on a relationship, I think. And like you said, we've talked about it, like when the fires happened in California, like their house in Malibu burned down and then they were like got married like at Christmas, like they were just like, we like are like in love and life is fleeting and things are, you know, you know, 
concrete things are just not yeah. what we care about. We care about each other. So, so, and I a hundred percent agree that it was then it was like nine months and she was like, shit, what I do. Yeah. And you know, it just really, like she tried to, I think like play that part and couldn't. Um, and I think that's what the song's about. Totally. And I mean, I actually wonder what, cause remember when she dropped, she is coming, which like, if we're being honest, is like a, an incredible EP. Like, yeah. I love I that I know EP. you love that EP. Um, I, I knew like it was slated to be like a three part project that would end up being like a total album. So she was going to drop like the three different parts and then like she'd make an album. But like, I wonder if this new part is like part of that whole, she is coming series or like, if this is a whole new thing she's like doing. So I am very interested to see like, what's next in the next like month or two for Miley, what her new sound's going to be like. I like this song. I think it's like a good direction for her. Um, yeah, but I'm interested to see what she does with continues to do with her platform and also like how she kind of navigates her, her past, um, and how it informs her future, you know? A hundred percent. So well said. (laughs) Thank you. When I came out of my mouth, I was like, Ooh, yes. (laughs) Came out so (laughs) smooth. (laughs) Okay, Okay. so my number one is something that we can't not talk about or like even just mention because it's like history. History. Um, So Herstory. Herstory, of course. As we all know, um, Mr. Joe Biden is picked as VP um, and it is Kamala Harris. Um, To which like, yes, Kamala, I think this is obviously an extremely extremely monumental pick um because Kamala is you know a black woman which incredible also she is of Indian descent which is the first time um someone of Indian descent will be in this kind of position or like be running for this kind of position of power um but the thing for me is like obviously number one important thing that we want to say in this podcast is like voting is extremely important if you have if you are able to vote um that's extremely extremely important in this extremely extremely important election that is coming up in november yeah like if you know me and i hear that you didn't vote <laughs> yeah so like what we all know that. <laughs> but like what we were shocked about because this is of course a pop culture podcast i was honestly shocked about how many celebrities posted about it like openly posted pictures of kamala videos of kamala like like of all different racial ethnicities of all different you know um backgrounds like everyone was like posting not everyone but like most people were posting about Kamala and I obviously like went into the comments and like saw a lot of like the discourse happening you know Kamala has as every politician has a a past Mm -hmm. um things she's not as proud of things she's changed today things that like a lot of people don't agree with things that whatever we all know this um but I do think that like and Meg we we talk about this this politics or whatever, this whole thing is a lot of what we talk about in our personal lives. But um, it is super interesting to see just how much celebrity is becoming a part of politics these days in our culture. It's like now people are speaking up now. It's like immediately like the influence celebrities have, like even the Jonas brothers (laughs) did a video with when we all vote, which is Michelle Obama's like nonprofit or something um, talking about voting. Like, And, like, obviously not saying exactly who they're voting for, but making it extremely clear how important of an election this is. And, like, we can we can take from that what we will. Um, Jonas Brothers, I saw, like, the first person, Tommy Dorfman, who is an incredible advocate and, like, always is very open. But I was also seeing, like, 
celebrities who I like honestly like wouldn't expect to post about like all this stuff. Yeah. Posting about it and like talking about it. Um, I think a lot of people probably have spent a lot of those celebrities have probably spent the last four years wishing that they spoke up more. Yeah. And are probably just, you know, taking this opportunity to show like a united front, I suppose. That's totally. something we've talked about. Um, I mean, bring up my girl Taylor. My girl Taylor tweeted about it. No, <laughs> no, but but sh- like I was talking to Katie Nolan about this, and she said to me, she's like, I think you know, now that the ticket is set, a lot of people yeah. are going to be now that they can because of Joe Biden's problematic past as well. One hundred percent. It, you know, to have him and Kamala together and have this ticket set and like ready to go, a lot more people feel comfortable being vocal. Rather than saying, like, vote for Joe Biden because of what we know about Joe Biden, um, it's it's a lot better to be able to say. And his black female running mate. Yeah. Who's totally. who's making like, history as I, the first black woman on this tick on this kind of ticket. So it so it is like it, it's it as much as it this election's been going on and it, I, I've been saying it's crazy to me that it's going to be September and it's in fucking two months and obviously there's a ton of other shit going on around surrounding the election that's yeah. really scary and, and anxiety inducing but this kind of gave people I think a moment of like wow this is exciting you know totally it like invigorated a lot of people and <clears throat> I whatever I think maybe for a lot of people Joe for actually for a lot of people, yeah. Joe and Kamala are not everyone's first choices, which like to that, I say like we did this to ourselves in terms of like, whatever, you know how I feel about it. Um, but I actually want to read this quote from Raquel Willis, who, if you guys don't follow, you should all definitely follow. She's um, an incredible woman, um, an activist. She's like, she's a trans woman, trans activist. Like she's incredible and has been actually like a really vocal person in recent um months with the Black Lives Matter movement, also the liberation of queer people. I watched her speak at the Brooklyn Liberation March and she is just incredible. Um, But I feel like her quote here is like really sums up my feelings in a way that I sometimes can't articulate. Um, Representation without accountability is dangerous. Our collective fight in this moment requires a deeper version of leadership than we've previously experienced. In a time when the people are discussing defunding police abolition more widely than ever, let's see how this plays out. So she's basically just like saying that like, yes, leadership is important. And like, we, the, the people at like the face of our nation matter, but like we vote these people in so that the people that fall under them have the opportunities to like make change. You know what I mean? And like, there's so many things that need to change for like truly just the, the rights and the like of, for people, you know what I mean? Of of many people like this election is, there's a lot at stake. So whatever. I mean, lots, lots to come in the next couple of months with, how this all plays out. Um, I, I think my number one feeling about this choice is just, it's an incredible moment for black women, for, you know, women of color, for, um, Indian women, like to see someone like that. Like, I know how much like Michelle Obama, like means to me. I mean, she's Michelle Obama, but, um, like, yeah, it's just like a lot for representation. And, um, I do hope that, all the work that a lot of people have been putting in over the last couple of months to really push our lawmakers to make really important change, um, that we do see a little bit of that echoed in, you know, 
what's to come. Yeah. Um, also, like, you think about if a lot of this stuff didn't happen in the last three months, like, would Joe be picking... I mean, we heard a lot of rumblings like he was going to pick a black woman. Like, yeah. would that be his only choice? Would he have gone with someone else? I don't really know. I mean, like, it is a little bit. It's like, let's see kind of where this goes. But that was very... I mean, that was the news this week, if we're being yeah. honest. And I mean, I 100% agree with you. I think something that I've been thinking about a lot is, and like you said, the past couple months, there's been a lot of pushes of yeah. on Instagram, people sharing numbers, people sharing resources of, like, call your senators you know, call your representatives, get them, like, tell them that this is how you want them to represent you. Because I think in the past, I mean, obviously, like, I don't know, we're young adults, adults. um, And obviously, this is a really tumultuous time. But I also think that something that people who have privilege, people of any race or gender who have privilege, you know, go and vote. And then for four years, they just, like, let things play out. And they just watch politicians do whatever. And I think it's just necessary to remind ourselves that, like, we vote for them to represent us. And Mm -hmm. we need to tell them what we want them to do for us. So in that sense of, like, people not being happy with that ticket or even, like, right now, people not being happy with their representation, with their senators, with their governors, with the president... It, it like we're a democracy and we got to like speak out and say how we want to be represented and and not just vote and every four years and then expect what we want to happen to happen you yeah, know we need to like keep that. fighting and like keep speaking up for what we want totally and like all I know is that the current administration is not how I want to be represented and we have another one option to choose from so um that's kind of where i'm gonna leave it at that it's like it's about accountability how how often do we talk about accountability and like holding ourselves accountable but we have every right in our country to hold our representatives accountable and And we should should like right now yeah we should do that it's like we need to make the change to push these people to make the change um that is long 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 overdue so Congrats to Kamala Harris on her VP nomination. <laughs> um, ex- interested and eager um, to see how this um, kind of goes over the next couple of months. Show up in November. We all know what needs to be done. And I'm watching certain celebrities to see how they are putting their words into action. And, you know, Same. the way it's so easy. I was reading an article the other day about the you know, graphics on Instagram that everyone shares and that you see the same one all. And it, you know, with statistics and with information and stuff like that. And there are so many celebrities that are, you know, guilty of just posting that kind of stuff and not actually doing anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. So do your part guys. You guys have, they have influence. Truly. But yeah, I'm, I mean, that's, that's all she wrote to bring back my, what I used to say all the time. What a week um, with the big and the small, I think. Oh, Lord, it is it is an interesting time. 2020 is a year. It is a year. It is a year and no word from Brian Tyree Henry this week. I know. I'm sorry. Just next week, just like put out good vibes that he like posts something. <laughs> no, oh, you, you need it. For you. I want them to release the movie that he was supposed to be in that was supposed to premiere, 
at I forget what festival. But it got pushed back. Ugh. Movies. Whatever. Yeah, movies. Megan movies. Megan movies. I need Netflix to set a release date for The Woman in the Window. Amy Adams. Hello. We are asking. We're asking for it. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, that is this week. I hope everyone has a great week. Um, answer the polls that we put in our, on our Instagram. Follow us on Instagram. Make sure to leave us a review. Please on leave Apple us Podcast. a review. It's been a couple weeks since we've gotten one. And... We know there are people like again. I'm gonna say it. We know who gave us reviews and who didn't. Okay, we're watching. <laughs> Get your um, butts no, we, over there. <laughs> we love you all. We appreciate all the messages that we always get. We appreciate all the feedback. Um, we love you guys and like love that this is such an open and honest conversation all the time. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. And as always, love you, Meg. Love you, Chi. <laughs>